This is Queen Victoria, and you are now entering The Murder Lab, the podcast where I don't just discuss one serial killer, I discuss several serial killers and what they have in common. Today I'm going to compare the serial killers that I covered in the Murder Lab series that was five parts. To refresh, that covers H.H. Holmes, Fred and Rosemary West, Gary Heidnick, Mark Dutroux, Jerry Brudos, David Parker Ray, and Leonard Lake, along with Charles Ng. Now, I did technically talk about Michael Lupo in an epi- the episode with Jerry Brudos, but as I discovered in that episode, he did not truly use his torture room as a place to kill people. It was purely for sexy reasons, as far as any research that I saw. So I'm not going to include Michael Lupo in this episode. If you have not listened to those episodes, it's probably helpful if you listen to them before you listen to this one, because I'm not going to go super in-depth into everything. I will reference things, so it's possible you could listen to this without knowing, but it's probably the most helpful if you have listened to them, and then you can also form your own opinions. First, I'm going to cover the dates that they were active, so we can kind of see in context with each other when they were killing people. H.H. Holmes was by far the oldest one, from 1886 to 1893. David Parker Ray, we have no proof that he actually killed, but according to his journals and other various circumstantial evidence, I guess is the right phrase, he was possibly active from the 1960s to 1999. So he was at least abducting and torturing women and raping them from the 1960s to 99. So whether he was killing people during that whole time, we know he was active. Now, if this is true, that means that the whole time period that David Parker Ray was killing people, Jerry Brudos, the Wests, Lakin Ng, Gary Heidnick, and Mark Dutroux, they were all active while Ray was active because he did it for decades. Jerry Brudos was active, was killing during 1968 to 1969. A couple years after that, the West started killing from 1971 to 1987. During the time period that the West were killing people at their home, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng were killing from 1983 to 1985, and Gary Heidnick was killing from 1986 to 1987. So again, we see while Ray was active, there were seven serial killers active, and two of those were teams. And within just the time that the Wests were active, we had three more serial killers active. So it's kind of interesting when you put it in the context is to see, and that's just a microcosm of the bigger picture. And then Dutroux was the most recent one at 1995 to 1996. And again, this is very specifically the time periods that they had a murder lab and not just their whole killing period. It could be that like with Lake, he had killed people before then. So this is just the time period of the victims that were killed when they had their murder labs. And I will chart that out on the website as well because I know it's hard to visualize without a visual. To compare the number of verified victims, we do not have proof that Ray personally killed anyone. So his number of verified victims is zero. Heidnick, we know that he killed two people. Brudos was four. Both H.H. Holmes and Mark Dutroux had five victims. The Wests had nine. And Leonard Lake with Charles Ng had 12. So if you compare how many they killed during the time period they were killing, it gets interesting. H.H. Holmes killed five people in a span of seven years. Dutroux killed five people in the span of one year. So he was busy. (laughs) Heinick killed two people in a year. Jerry Brudos killed four people in a year. Within one year, we have Heidnick with two, 
Grudos with four, and Dutroux with five. The West were operating for 16 years and killed nine people. Lake and Ng were active for two years, and they killed 12. So in 16 years, the West killed nine people. Within two years, Lake and Ng killed 12. And then David Parker Ray, if he did kill anyone, which I'm pretty sure he did, he managed to go 30 years with no proof of killing anyone. So it's, it's just remarkable to me to see the differences. Now, keep in mind, David Parker Ray was operating during the same time periods as all of these people except for H.H. Holmes. But he managed to not have any proof that he killed anyone. And it's also interesting to see the time frames and how, how many people killed within that time frame. As far as the ages when they were caught, Charles Ng was the youngest at 25, Jerry Brutus at 30, H.H. Holmes at 32, Rosemary West at 41, Lake at 40, Heidnick at 43, Fred West at 53, and David Parker Ray at 59. Ng being the youngest at 25, he was only active for like two years. So he started when he was about 23 with this specific activity. Jerry Brudos was only 29 when he started his. Holmes started at 25. So right about there, so far we have people that start in the mid to late 20s. They start killing people in their murder labs. Rosemary West, when she first started killing, was 25. Lake was 38, Heidnick was 42, Fred West was 37. So it's interesting to see how old they were when they started killing in their murder lab. It does kind of make sense that if you have an idea to create a murder lab, you may not be able to perfect it when you're in your teens. It may take years for you to build up the supplies, the emotional fortitude and skills to be able to pull it off. So it does kind of make sense it would take until your late, mid to late 20s, early 30s. To get to their childhood, those that had a strict or abusive dad include Gary Heidnick, David Parker Ray, and Charles Ng. Ones that had mommy issues, interestingly enough, Gary Heidnick had mom and dad issues. Jerry Brudos had mom issues and Leonard Lake, his mom basically deserted him. And he was not really around his father, but it seems like he focused mostly on his mother's abandonment of him. If their parents were separated or divorced, Mark Dutroux, Gary Heidnick, David Parker Ray, and Leonard Lake. So it is interesting that while Leonard Lake had mom issues because his parents divorced and his mom left him, David Parker Ray more daddy issues because his dad would come, come and go in his life and fucked him up that way. So, <laughs> oh, and the ones raised by their grandparents, David Parker Ray and Leonard Lake were both raised by their grandparents because their parents separated and divorced and they were shipped off. Molested as a kid... Fred West, supposedly his mom had sex with him when he was a kid. Rosemary's dad molested her. And David Parker Ray claims that his aunt forced him to have um, masochistic sex. I'm just going to do a very a higher level, more basic comparison right now. These could each be, some of these will actually be their own episodes and not just focused within people who had their murder labs. So I will do an episode on people's who, people whose dads have fucked them up, whose moms have fucked them up, whose parents have fucked them up. Who, was, who wasn't raised by their parents and who was molested as a kid by their family members, those will each be their own episode. So we'll all get really deep dive into that later. So we're just kind of touching on that just to kind of get a sense of um, where these speci this specific group of people came from. Two of them actually had a place outside as a teenager that they specifically wanted to take women to to hurt. So Brudos had dug a hole in a hill and he dreamt of taking a woman and putting her that hole in the hill and keeping her captive. 
David Parker Ray, he also had a place outside that even had a noose and he had broken beer bottles that he wanted to use on women. I don't believe that they actually took women there. I think they, tr- um, I know Brutus, he tried, but I don't think he was successful because a couple caught, caught him. I don't remember seeing anything where they said that Ray actually took a woman to his place outside, but I think they were both actually 15. So that's another interesting coincidence. Out of this group of people, all of them were married except for Charles Ng, I believe. So that's kind of interesting. What's also interesting is most of them had several marriages. Holmes, Fred West, Dutroux, Ray, and Lake, they were all married several times. Now, Holmes, his other marriages technically didn't count because he never got a divorce from his first wife. So his subsequent marriages would have been bigamy and not therefore not legal but the women involved thought that he was married to them. So Fred had legal divorces. I think Rosemary actually was only ever married to him. Detrue was married and then he did wind up getting a divorce and getting remarried. David Parker Ray had divorces. Leonard Lake got divorces. So Holmes seems like he was the only bigamist of the group. And Heidnick was married once. And then that was there was a divorce there. Brutus actually remained married the whole time, which that's interesting right there is that he was a, his wife was able to stay married to him. Although now I'm blanking on whether she divorced him once he got caught. But the point is, she stayed with him the whole time. Those who had affairs while they were married, H.H. H. Holmes, Fred West, Gary Heidnick, Mark Dutroux, Two of them ended up killing the person they had an affair with because they got pregnant. And that is H.H. H. Holmes and Fred West. Mark Dutroux had an affair with a woman and they were they were both in prison while he was married. And then when he got out, he got divorced and then he married the woman he was having an affair with in prison. I'm not sure exactly how that works. I'm sure there's more details, but I know that's the gist of it. And that's kind of interesting that they they had jailbird love. I would like to point out that I'm not necessarily saying that the things that I mentioned in this episode that they have in common, I'm not blaming those things as things that caused what they were. This is more a practice of what did they have in common and can we learn from things they did have in common and see if they do indeed have something to do with what made them that way or just what behaviors they may gravitate to as serial killers. So one of the hard things is that, you know, not all of them have this specific trait, but as you can see, quite a few of them may. So that's more, this is more an exercise of let's see what they do have in common and what they don't have in common and see if we can find some kind of pattern. Ones that had kids, H.H. Holmes, The Wests, Heidnick, Dutroux, Brutus, and Ray. I will note that only half of those actually had kids in the house when they were active. So for example, H.H. Holmes... He had a kid, but she went to live with the mother. So she wasn't there when he was active. Gary Heidnick had children, but they, he wasn't allowed to keep any of them. They were all either with their mom or with the state. Detrue had a wife and kids, but they were not living in the places that he was holding women captive. The Wests were very open about their sexual activity. They weren't really open about killing. So the kids were definitely part of the abuse, and they knew that abuse was happening to other people in their household, and sometimes they saw it. But they did not necessarily know that there was murder happening. Brutus had kids, and he hid what he was doing, so the kids didn't really have any idea what was going on. David Parker Ray had kids, but only one stayed with him, and that was Jesse, who wound up becoming an accomplice with him. So there you go. Ones that were in the military, out of this group of people, there was Heidnick, Brutus, Lake, and Ng. So four of them served time in the military. Heidnick was discharged due to mental issues. Ng was caught stealing weapons from the military. So <laughs> there you go. 
Two of them were sex workers for a while. Rose West became a sex worker when she was older, and she loved the hell out of it. She really enjoyed it. That was all like her idea, so she was all into it. Dutroux, Mark Dutroux, it, it was hard to find lots of detailed information, but it did say that he left home at 16, 15 or 16, and became a sex worker for guys. So to me, that sounds more like it was out of necessity than out of pleasure. And then later he ends up having a wives and stuff. So to me, I believe that seems like that was probably more forced upon him. Out of this group, there were three that had a facility where they would house people and have lodgers and or renters. H.H. Holmes was the only one who actually killed the people who lodged with him. Not all of them, but some of them. The West had lodgers, but they didn't kill them. They had sex with them. Although in some cases, they lived with them for a while. Then when they came back into their lives later, they killed them. So that's kind of interesting. They didn't they didn't mix the business of, of being their landlord with killing them. I don't know, but they were okay with having sex with them. So, you know, whatever your standards are. And then Heidnik, I had discussed in the first episode of the second episode of Murder Lab, when I go through serial killers that killed their tenants, Heidnik technically did not kill his tenant. For a short time, he did have a place where he rented out a floor of different rooms. He had shut the power off and dared them to come downstairs and try to turn it back on. And they tried to come in, so he shot him. But apparently, you know, it wasn't fatal or anything and it, and it didn't even, the guy didn't press charges. Now, to get into the actual murder labs, there were, I'm going to say three because I count Lake and Ng as one because they were a team. So three of them actually created a space, an actual building for their killings. H.H. Holmes had a whole building known as the castle. David Parker Ray had a trailer known as the toy box. And then Leonard Lake and Charles Ng had a little bunker space and they called it the Miranda Project was the name of the actual whole project and not just the building. I don't recall that they had a specific name for the building. The rest of them tended to have just use their cellar so or their basement. The Wests, Heidnik, and Dutroux all used their cellar or basement to do their killing. Now, Brutos, his first murder was done in his basement, but then he would use his garage in his new house. So one murder happened in a basement, the rest happened in his special garage that he set aside for that. David Parker Ray actually had a sex dungeon in, in at least one of his houses. As far as I know, I don't know that he killed anyone there, but he did also claim that he killed people once a year, so I'm going to guess he probably did. I don't have details on what that dungeon entailed. It was just kind of a passing reference in one of the one or two of the books. In addition to the building or basement... So in addition to the building they set aside or the basement, these people used other rooms in their house for their activities. The Wests, Dutroux, Ray, Lakening. So the Wests had a specific room, and I think they probably just used whatever room in the house they felt like. Dutroux had a specific room, Ray had a specific room, and then Lake and Ng had a bedroom that they used. Although I'm sure um, it sounds like they also did some things in the living room and stuff. To dig into details about the murder labs that have in common the use of peepholes what's interesting to note is that some of these people with murder labs some of them held people captive and others did not so holmes had peepholes because he would gas people so he would look through the peepholes and he would gas them and watch them die leonard lake and charlesing didn't necessarily have a peephole but they had like a basically a one-way window or mirror that they could look through and watch 
their captive in her cell. Now, Fred West was a little different because the peepholes that come into play is for his wife's clients. He liked to have Rose have sex with her clients. So he had peepholes so he could watch her. So that's a little bit different. I mean, I don't know if the dudes knew that he was watching them have sex with his wife. Don't know if they'd care. But the people that they took captive and took advantage of, he did not use peepholes and keep them in rooms like that. Soundproofing. Holmes had soundproof rooms. I believe his were asbestos-lined plates on the walls. The West soundproofed their cellar. That's where they did torture women. So they had that soundproofed. I don't exactly know how. It just said they soundproofed it. Gary Heidnick soundproofed the basement. Again, don't know how. He also blared the radio just in case. David Parker Ray soundproofed the toy box. And Leonard Lake and Charles Ng soundproofed the bunker. Torture equipment and medical supplies. So Holmes was a doctor. He liked to torture people. He did have a rack that he would stretch people on, and he had medical supplies. David Parker Ray kept some medical supplies to use for fun and for practicality. David Parker Ray had a monitor in the toy box where it was rigged up, where the victim could watch themselves on that monitor and see what was being done to them. He also had a system where he could watch from his house what was being done in the in the toy box. Fred West... Again, seems like what he did was mostly to get off on his wife having sex with other people. He put mics in the room so he could listen to it when he's sitting in the living room watching TV with his children. He would listen to her have sex. They didn't mention that they used that for listening to anybody torture, probably because he was being active in the torturing as opposed to just wanting to listen to it. There are four that took videos of what they were doing. The Wests, Detrue, Ray, and Lakening. They all filmed what they did. There weren't very many videos found, really, with any of them. There was only a few videos found, I believe, in each instance. They apparently stashed them somewhere or knew better than to just keep a library of their homemade snuff films or, you know, abuse videos. So I do think that's interesting that we know that they recorded because we found some tapes, but we didn't find most of the tapes. Not unsurprisingly... Detrue, Ray, and Lake, in addition to taking videos, they had pictures that were found. Brudos tended to like pictures. He took lots of pictures, and that's one thing that got him in trouble, is in one of the pictures, you could see his reflection in a mirror in that picture. So he couldn't just say, I don't know where those pictures came from, or, you know, he's obviously in the picture. He also enjoyed taking pictures of himself in women's underwear, which that's not a big deal, but it is interesting. I got to thinking when I was comparing them that he's the only one in this group that was interested in women's underwear and stealing women's clothing. I don't know that any of them were homosexual either. Well, actually, Rose West did like to have sex with women, so she was actually bisexual. So I don't know. I'm just, see, again, I'm not trying to necessarily assign judgment. I'm just trying to look at it neutrally and just see, well, what things do they have in common? So in this specific group of people, it is just interesting to note that, you know, there might be one bisexual, I don't see any homosexuals, and then there's one person that enjoyed cross-dressing. To continue with comparing the actual places, the West, now technically Heidnik was the one who had a pit that he dug and actually put people in, which again is referenced as in Buffalo Bill and Signs of the Lambs. The West, their cellar, it wasn't tall enough to be able to um, hang someone by their wrists from the ceiling and then have their legs dangle or have it stretch enough. So he actually did dig out the ground some. So I don't know how deep that was. And it wasn't necessarily meant to be a pit. It was more meant to just lengthen the distance that they could hang people. 
But there's one woman they had who had sex with them consensually. She did say that she agreed to be hung upside down above this pit. So it would be interesting to know just how deep that pit was. But but again, I don't think it was like a well or anything too terribly deep. Kind of related is when Brutus, I mentioned earlier that Brutus, when he was 15, he dug a hole in a hill. So technically that's not a hole in the floor. He dug a hole in a hill. So he still dug a hole. And David Parker Ray said that in his special area when he was 15, he would dig a hole in the ground that he would have sex with. So there's something that this group of people is attracted to, holes. And I think I just answered my own question. Something that was intriguing is using letters. So, for example, H.H. Holmes would send a letter to family members of the victim explaining, this is the reason why you might not see me for a while is... You know, I'm getting engaged, I'm going to live here. Or I got a job in this other place, I'm fine, don't worry about me. Sometimes that worked better than others, but it took a long, a while for him to actually get caught, so apparently it worked pretty well for a while. Heidnick sent a letter for one of his victims because he knew the mom was close to the victim. The daughter was mentally challenged and he knew that the mother had a close relationship with her. So he sent a letter like, basically, I'm doing fine, don't worry about me. Well, the mom was like, there's, there's no way. This, this isn't, there's something off about this. The letter didn't really help, but I guess it bought him a little bit of time. Leonard Lake would write letters. So when he took one of his victims, he had picked her up at work. So he sent her boss a note saying, hey, I got a new job. Send this, send my stuff and my most recent check and my W-2 to this P.O. box. It seemed weird, but seemed legit. So the manager did it. DeTrue told one of his victims, you can write home and I'll give a letter to your parents. Of course, he never did. But he would claim, oh, yeah, your mom, I gave him the letter and your mom wrote back and she said this. And it was all bullshit. They actually found like three of the letters under the front mat. So he had never given it to the parents. To compare spaces, the Wests, I didn't see any measurements of how big their basement was. I do know that later they changed it into a kid's room. And we know that they had a hook up there that they could hang someone from by the wrists from the ceiling. Heidnick, I don't know how big his basement was either. He also enjoyed hanging them from the ceiling, but he would do handcuff by one hand. So they would hang, like basically be hanging from one hand, you know, barely with their toes being able to touch the ground. There were details that he had that pit and he would put one or more of the girls in the pit, cover it with plyboard and some bags of sand. There was a nasty old mattress. It was cold. There was one of those chest style freezers. He chained the girls up, radio blaring. Later, after one of the girls died... He did allow them to have blankets, pillows, and a TV. David Parker Ray, he had a room in his house with a bed, and they would be chained up in there. He had a pulley system, every, every fucking room in the house, some kind of pulley system so he could keep them trussed up and shit like that. In the toy box, the toy box was 8 foot by 20 foot. There were photos up of different various sexual things. He had a Barbie diorama of disturbing sexual things. He had medical cabinets, a gynecological chair. As I mentioned, there was a monitor that, that they could watch themselves on. And then there was also a seven-foot coffin that was ventilated. He could either keep them in there or he could keep a second person in there if he was torturing one other person. Leonard Lake, in their bunker, they had at one end a plywood partition divided the space, making a tiny room no more than three and a half feet wide by six and a half feet long. It had a narrow platform about two feet wide with a foam rubber pad, which was meant to be a bed. There was a five-gallon plastic bucket with a roll of toilet paper set in a corner. And as I mentioned before, that room was soundproofed. 
The true cellar was about three feet wide and nine feet long. There was a little wooden shelf, two light bulbs, a small plank. There was a crappy little bed, another shelf with an old television, and a little bench and table. And then there was a little chamber pot. So three by nine for Detrue. Leonard Lakes was three and a half by six and a half. David Parker Ray's was eight feet by 20 feet, but they pretty much were stuck on the gynecological table. So it didn't really matter how big or small that was. Although I guess he did put in an air conditioner, which I guess helped so they wouldn't suffocate and maybe that helped make things a little more comfortable. Detrue basically had a crappy little fan that would kind of go, but there was a, a, a few points when I can't remember if one time it broke, but she basically felt like she was constantly suffocating because it just still wasn't enough circulation of air. As far as treatment of their captives, some of the food that Heidnik provided was bread, oatmeal, Pop-Tarts, crackers, sandwiches, rice, shriveled hot dogs. On rare occasions, he would get them Chinese food or fried chicken, and he also liked to give them dog food. True gave... Now, I only have the account of one victim because she wrote a book, but I'm assuming that what he did for one, he probably did for the others. He gave her milk, water, and bread, and sometimes the bread was moldy and the milk was sour, and she'd get punished if she complained. Canned tomatoes and meatballs and these little biscuits that I think they sound like, um, it's in Belgium. They sound to me like alphabet crackers, alphabet cookies. David Parker Ray didn't really care. Like, his idea was, I'll make sure you don't die because I want to keep you for, you know, as long as I can or as long as you're interesting me. So I don't remember specifically catching what he fed them. But it wasn't much. So I think even if he gave them something, it wasn't really anything, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Leonard Lake, when I looked through, I didn't see anything that says specifically what he fed them, if he fed them anything. So what's interesting is Heidnik had two dogs. So he realized, well, I can save money because dog food's fairly cheap. I can just feed them like I'm feeding my dogs. I imagine he probably did that frequently. And the rest of the stuff was more of a, I guess, amenity in his mind. Which is why every once in a while, if he was in a good mood, he may possibly actually spring for Chinese food or fried chicken. The number of captives at one time, Heidnik had up to four at the same time, all in the basement together. Detrue had two in that cellar, and then he went, there were two eight-year-olds, and then he went and kidnapped two teenagers. And since the cellar was, was barely even big enough to fit two, he put the teenagers in a different room. So he had four in the same house, but only two two in a room at a time together. And then later, when uh, Dardine was kidnapped, he kidnapped another girl and put her in the room with Dardine. And then, um, and then thank God it, was, it wasn't too much longer before they were rescued. David Parker Ray, of the victims we know about, they don't mention anyone else being there at the same time. Although he does reference that he could have one in a coffin and then another one on a table. So he could kind of take turns with them. So it's possible he could have had two and hell, who knows, maybe at one time he had three because he also could use the room in the house. But I didn't see any evidence that he would have several because I wouldn't think that he would want to take his chances and have too many at one time, even though he had accomplices. There was really only room for one at a time in Leonard Lake and Charles Ng's bunker. And I think that they probably had fun just torturing the one person at a time and didn't really need to have more than one because they could get what they needed from one. As far as hygiene... And the toilet situation, Heidnik had a porta john, so at least there's that. He did allow them to have tampons. At first, he just let them use baby wipes to clean up with. 
Later, he allowed one girl a day to wear chains and hop in the tub for a few minutes before he'd throw her on the bed and have sex with her. And and that's not like every girl got a shower a day. It was one of the four or five girls that he had would get to bathe that day. If he only did one a day and he did it in cycles, then that means, well, I guess you'd get to take a half-assed bath every four days. Dutroux bathed her once a week, but he insisted on bathing her himself. He would scrub her until her skin was red and raw and sore and sometimes blistered. David Parker Ray, he he would let them use the bathroom sometimes, but they would be in chains. I didn't really see a whole lot where they said how often he would bathe them, since he only kept some of them for like a few days at a time. I have a feeling he probably didn't bathe them much, although he did make damn sure before he let them go that he cleaned them inside and out to try to alleviate DNA evidence. Leonard Lake made sure that he, that they bathed before he would touch them. So there is, uh, on the video they do show, there's one where Ing, he tells Ing to go shower with her to make sure she gets clean. He did say they had to be clean before he would sleep with them. So I don't know if it meant like every time he would bathe them, but we do know at least at the beginning they would be allowed to bathe. David Parker Ray would let them go to the bathroom In the house, they did find a bucket that obviously had been used as a toilet. And in the bunker for Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, there was a toilet with a roll of paper. So I guess that is a standard murder lab dungeon tool is to have a toilet bucket, which makes sense because it's cheap and easy to use. David Parker Ray and Leonard Lake both had a penchant to make lists. Leonard Lake had a list of how the captive should act. David Parker Ray had... He had lists like all over the place and he had on the video, on the audio tape that he recorded, he had a half hour's worth of do's and don'ts and warnings on there. Leonard Lake and David Parker Ray, they were definitely particular in how things should be. So I do think it's interesting that both Ray and Lake were very similar in that manner. Lake had a hidden door in his bunker. Dutroux had a hidden door that led to the cellar that he kept his captives in. Heidnik, the Wests, and Lake were all basically insatiable. So apparently Heidnik, as I had said in that episode, he was having sex all the time. Sometimes with three women at a time, he would demand sex from his victims, his captives in the basement at least once a day, maybe all of them, maybe just one of them. And then he would also bring women home and have sex with them that day too. So he was always getting laid. Rosemary West, as I pointed out, she became a sex worker because she wanted to, and she really, really enjoyed it. Sometimes she wouldn't even charge the clients. I think Fred was definitely interested in sex. I think Rose was the most interested in sex, but I don't know that it necessarily has to be a competition. So they both were really into sex. We'll we'll put it that way. Leonard Lake, he was always looking to get laid, and he got laid quite a bit as well. So I guess it shouldn't be surprising that people with... Okay. I'm going to be careful how I say this. It's not surprising that people who felt compelled to abduct people to have their way with have a very high sex drive. Now, not everyone in this group mentioned having a higher than normal sex drive. It could be that they have a quote unquote regular sex drive, but there's just specific things that they need to get them off. So, you know, like Jerry Brudos, he needed to, for the most part, he needed to have that control. And then he really, he liked having sex with dead bodies and he liked to pose them. He liked to have them as dolls and he liked to have them subdued. And so I think that's what it was specific. There were specific actions for him that got his sex drive up. And David Parker Ray was interesting that several of his victims mentioned that he actually had trouble getting it up unless 
it got to a certain point or that he kept pushing and pushing and pushing and doing more and more until finally he could do something. And that could be also as he got older because he was 59 when he was caught. So it could be when he was younger, maybe he did get laid more and I just don't have that information. Those who raped their victims, the Wests, Heidnik, Lake, so the same people who wanted lots of sex did also rape their victims. But then Detrue and Jerry Brudos, they did rape victims. Now, Brutus didn't rape his first victim. That was part of the escalation. As far as torture, now torture is a very loaded word. It ha- It's one of those gr- areas that has lots of grays. When I am speaking of torture, I specifically mean that they did things to their bodies for a prolonged period of time that are aimed to hurt and torture the victims. So it's not like necessarily mental torture. So like, for example, the West, Fred claimed to his son that he would pull off their fingernails and put cigarettes out on them. And we know that he hung them from a hook so they could stretch out, you know, so they would be dangling. And then they also tortured them sexually. H.H. Holmes. So we know that he had that rack. So we know that he did use a rack to torture people. Heidnik, his ideas of torture was putting them in that pit. And not only would it be smashing, smushing, because the pit, again, it wasn't very deep. And then he would force plywood on them. And there's one one girl who describes it like her knees were basically like against her chest and she was smashed up. And then he had this plywood board on her with these heavy bags of sand. So she was basically like not necessarily being crushed, but it was a very tight fit. So being in there and he left her in there, I think for something like 27 hours. Other times he would put water in the pit he put a board on top of them with holes in it, and then he would stick wire through it and shock them. And that's actually how the second woman died, is he accidentally touched her chains with the wire and she uh, got electrocuted. He would also beat them with shovels. That's basically what I mean by torture. And then David Parker Ray, it seemed to be more sexual torture, and I'm not going to get too into it. If you made it through that episode, congratulations. If not, then just suffice it to say that he was definitely good with sexual torture. Of those people that tortured, the ones that were very interested in S&M, the Wests and David Parker Ray. The Wests had a room and they kept, you know, like rubber suits and stuff like that. And David Parker Ray actually made S&M equipment. Again, I've said before, S&M is not a bad activity in and of itself. If they're consenting people, it's perfectly fine. It's when it gets into the areas of non-consensual activity that it becomes a problem. So what's interesting is just to note of who held captives who was into SNM activity. And maybe that SNM activity wasn't enough that they needed to escalate. That was their version of escalation. So even though Heidnik had captives, I didn't see really references that he was into specifically SNM activities. He was more into intellectual superiority. Necrophilia There were only, Brutus was the main one of that group that said they liked to have sex with dead bodies. Fred West, I believe he told his son that he would only have sex with them when they were dead, but Fred said a lot of bullshit. I mean, they all say a lot of bullshit, you know, because serial killers aren't the most honest of people. Um, So I would take that one. I'm not 100% sure uh, because we do know that he did rape um, at least one, one or more of his victims, actually. So whether he had sex with them after they were dead or not, I'm not sure. But we do know Brutus admitted to it. And I think that that it makes sense, according to the rest of his crimes, that that he would do that. H.H. Holmes had a kiln in his house big enough to fit a body. So that's one way he would get rid of people. 
Heidnik tried to burn his first victim. He dismembered her and he tried to cook her rib cage and the neighborhood noticed the stench and a cop came and he said he was burning dinner, that he was actually trying to burn the remains of a victim. Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, they also burned, burned their victims and tried to dispose of them that way. H.H. Holmes also had acid pits and lime pits, so he used lime. Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, also, they found remains that were caked with lime. Those that dismembered, the West dismembered of... I honestly don't know if Rose had anything to do with the killing and disposing of the bodies, but Fred definitely took pieces, and we don't know what he did with those pieces. He took, like, fingers, toes, I think kneecaps, some vertebrae, ankles, and people... We don't know why. He never said why, and we don't know where he put them. Heidnik, his first one, like I just said, he dismembered her. He ground some up and fed it to put in the dog food and fed it to the dogs and the girls, his captives, and uh, the rest. He actually had some in bags in the freezer when he was caught. H.H. Holmes, I don't know if he necessarily dismembered them, because like I said, he had the incinerator, he had pits of lime. I'm not sure. Brutos, he pretty much, his was more like he took, the first victim he took her foot, because he had a foot fetish. He's known as a shoe fetish slayer. If you listen to that episode, you know that. And he also took breasts, not his first victim, he only took her foot. Then the next victim, he took a breast. And then he escalated to taking two breasts because he wanted to try to make paperweights, you know, which is a natural inclination. And uh, the one victim, he did not take her breasts because he didn't like them. He didn't like her nipples. They didn't look right to him. So it's important to have standards, even as a serial killer. People who buried their victims on their property, the Wests, in, I believe, in a bathroom and in their garden and in the cellar. Dutroux, he buried two of the girls alive and then two of them starved to death while he was in prison because his wife was too afraid to feed them because she was afraid they'd attack her. So they starved to death and then they were buried on one of his properties. And then, of course, I just mentioned Leonard Lake and Charles Zang had people buried. There was evidence of, like, 25 people to go over their victims. Now, I thought it would be pretty clear-cut to say... All right, which victims came willingly not knowing that what was going to happen? Or were they abducted? So I thought it would be like, okay, so the West, all their victims were abducted. You know, Heidnik, all of his came willingly. But what was interesting is that it wasn't that clear cut. It depends on the situation. So the West, some of them came willingly because they were friends. Like one, they offered to give a ride and then quickly they punched her and it became... So I guess technically she came willingly because she got in the car with them, <laughs> but then she didn't expect to be abducted. Um, so it wasn't, she didn't go to their house. Um, and then Heidnik, we do know that several of his victims, some of them were sex workers, so they came willingly to his house to have sex. Didn't expect to be choked and then put in his basement. They're, the last two victims, it wasn't clear how he got them there. Like, I don't know. They just went up at his house. So I would assume that it would be under seemingly innocent pretenses that he would bring them to the house. But I don't know. I mean, it's possible that he flat out abducted one or two of them. David Parker Ray, we know that some of the victims were lured there by Jesse. One was a friend of Cindy and Ray's. But he does mention that over the years he targeted... People who are like walking on the streets alone at night or junkies or people who happen to be on their own that seemed vulnerable. He would just grab them off the street. So I think his was probably a mix of both as well. Dutroux, he abducted all of his. We know that. 
homes, most of those were planned where they were part of his life and they were no longer serving the right purpose for his life. So he got rid of them. Um, he claims like one was a tenant. They got in a fight over him paying his rent and he killed him. So some of these, it's it seems like it was more convenience and he knew them and he didn't necessarily abduct anyone. He just found ways to <laughs> kill them in their situation. Leonard Lake, he got one to come because they had said, oh, something, your boyfriend's been shot, so we're going to take you to him. And then they kidnapped her. The other ones tended to be straight up kidnappings. Brutos, the first one, it seems like some were just convenience. That like the first one, she was selling encyclopedias and she got kind of lost. You know, he hadn't planned on killing anyone. He just saw this opportunity and he grabbed it. And then another time he saw a girl broken down by the side of the highway. You know, and sometimes he would just go out and look for an opportunity and then he would abduct them. The one time when the woman broke down, it was, I'm a good Samaritan. We need to run to my house to, you know, and to get my tools or whatever. So she technically came willingly and then he took advantage of that and killed her. So you can see it's kind of a, a mixture of it's not always flat out, always abduction or flat out, always luring the victims there and then taking advantage of that situation. The age range, Holmes victims, it was a variety and I was having trouble actually finding ages. I'm assuming that most of the women that he killed were probably around his age or I mean possibly a little younger. We do know that he killed some children and if I'm not if I'm not counting what he did after the murder castle, we know he at least killed one child and the rest were women. There were a couple men. The Wests range from 15 to 27 and all women. Heidnick was from 18 to 26. Dutroux was from 8 to 17. So he's got the widest range. Like I said, he had two eight-year-olds in the basement when he had the teenagers upstairs. And then he there was a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, I believe, that were also abducted. Brudos, age range was 15 to 24. David Parker Ray, I'm, since we don't really know a lot about his victims, the ones that I know that got away, that he raped, one was 22 and one was 25. He mentioned being interested in younger girls, and we never saw definite proof that he did anything with a minor. Leonard Lake, one girl was 18, one was 33. I couldn't find the age of the other woman. So it seems like I, he also does mention at one point that he likes younger girls, but I didn't really see much where he actually did stuff with minors. So it seems like he would tend towards 18 and up. Just seeing the demographic, it seems like out of this group, Detrue killed the youngest girls. It seems like most of the age ranges are late teens, early 20s. So around in there seems to be the demographic that this particular group of people focused on. Those who pretended to be a cop to get victims, which I will have an episode on this about all serial killers and not just this specific group, but Jerry Brudos and David Parker Ray, they both pretended to be cops. Ray actually had a bunch of different uniforms because he worked for the Parks Department. I guess he had access to different official-looking uniforms, so he was not afraid to use that to his advantage. I was curious if any of them killed their own family members. The West did. They killed their own daughter. Leonard Lake killed his own brother and stole his identity. Accidental deaths. Heidnicks were accidental. Somehow, with his IQ of 130, he did not understand that if he barely fed the women and he treated them badly and put them in poor circumstances, they might not do well. So one of the girls died. She had a fever. She was vomiting. She was obviously sick and he did not tend to her needs and she ended up dying. And then the other girl, like I said, he accidentally electrocuted her. He was obviously negligent. And it still blows my mind that he expected these women to have his babies, but he was not giving them 
any kind of good conditions conducive to that activity at all. Dutroux, when he was in prison, two girls starved to death. So technically that was an accident because he didn't know that was happening. His wife didn't do her job and feed them. So to Dutroux, it was an accident. To the wife, she should have just fucking fed him. Although they should just never have kidnapped the girls. There's that. To run through how they were caught, H.H. Um, H. Holmes was finally caught due to insurance fraud. Lake and Ng were caught because Ng stole something from a hardware store. He ran off and then Lake got caught. Lake named names. So he told them about Ng and then committed suicide. Dutroux, there was a couple witnesses that saw shady activity and reported him and they traced the, it was mostly a vehicle. They saw a specific vehicle and they traced the vehicle back to him and he was caught that way. Brudos, he was harassing co-eds at the local college. So that's how he got on the cop's radar. But what finally got him caught was he attempted to attack a child and kidnap her. And then the cops were able to use that to actually bring him in. So for the West, Heidnick and David Parker Ray, a victim told on them. So the West, they had let the victim go and the victim told. But for Heidnick, and technically Heidnick let Rivera go, thinking she was going to come back. But then she told on him and Ray's victim escaped and told. It's interesting to see the different ways in which they got caught. Two of them committed suicide. As I just said, Leonard Lake committed suicide as soon as he was arrested. Fred West ended up hanging himself in jail. Rose West, Mark Dutroux, and Charles Ng are all still alive and in jail. Holmes was hanged, and Heidnick received lethal injection. Brudos died of cancer, and David Parker Ray died of a heart attack. I did notice that three of them had experience as an electrician. So Dutroux was an unemployed electrician, Brudos was an electronics technician, and Lake, when he was in the military, he was a radar electronics tech. So that's kind of interesting that three of them happen to be in that field. Now, as far as goals, I will cover serial killers that had goals for their serial killer activity, whether it was right off the bat or if they developed it later. In this group of people, Heidnick's goal was he wanted to kidnap 10 women and then impregnate them and raise them, raise his family there in the house and have his own little harem, the Heidnick harem. Brudos, when he was younger, he dreamt of having a torture complex and he mentioned he wished that he could freeze women and then freeze them into certain different pornographic poses. He never actually ended up making that torture complex or being able, he did freeze dead women, you know, in parts of their bodies, but he didn't get to do it the way that he wanted. David Parker Ray had the goal of his toy box, so he made his toy box and he made his own twisted dreams come true. Lakening had the dream of, of the bunker and the Miranda Project, and they saw that come to fruition. Those who did time before they started this span of their killing, Fred West had done some time, I believe for theft, Heidnick did time for kidnapping someone and putting her in his basement. So let that sink in. Dutroux did time for the abduction and rape of a young girl. And he was on parole when he was committing his activity, when he killed six girls and was abducting them and raping them. Ng, as I said, had served time for theft. Brudos, I don't think that he served time. I remember that he had some kind of activity on his record that made them want to keep a closer eye on him and dig deeper into him. And Leonard Lake, I don't think he did time because he was so terrified of it. It seems I know he was always running away. And part of the reason that him and Cricket got divorced is because he wanted to go on the run and she didn't. So that's why he kept the cyanide as he was terrified of actually getting arrested and having to do jail time. Those who had pets... 
Heidnik had two dogs, as I mentioned earlier. H.H. Holmes, I don't know that he had his own pets frequently. I do know that his wife, one of his wives, said that he loved pets and babies and that she could not believe how people, strangers, would just let him hold their baby on the train and how much he would have been fond over dogs and, and stuff. So it is interesting to see that compartmentalization where they can show affection for specific things. Both Dutroux and Heidnik were on disability. I would say they all had close calls to getting caught. A.J. Holmes, he knew his time was running out because all of his creditors, so he decided he was gonna he was gonna cheese it. So he was gonna run away and he knew that there would be all kinds of evidence in his murder castle. So he tried to burn it down. But because he wasn't so successful in burning it down, later on when he was caught, they did find evidence. So I don't know how close of a call that was. It was more like if he would have stuck around, they probably would have searched the house sooner. The Wests had a girl that they molested that her mother knew something was wrong and she got the story out of her. They were going to sue them, but then the girl wound up not showing up to court, so they got a slap on the wrist and they were able to continue. There's another time when the kids admitted things were going on, but then they recanted and said that they were lying about it. So there was a couple times when the Wests were in hot water, but they were able to go for 16 years before they were finally caught. Heidnik, I mentioned that when he was burning the body, the cops came and he said it was his dinner was burning. Another reason is the neighbors knew that he was suicidal. He had a history of being suicidal and when he had been married and his wife left him, he had tried to commit suicide. So the neighbors didn't see him for a few days, so they were worried that something was wrong and then combined with that smell, a cop finally came. But Heidnik was like, oh no, I'm fine, I just burnt dinner, and the cop left. So that was a close call. Dutroux was actually arrested for, like, vehicle theft and was in prison while he had some victims at his house. So again, that, it blows my mind that, and he was out on parole the whole time too. So he was out on parole and then he got caught for the car theft, did time in prison, and then he was able to come back and still have his victims and, and kidnap more. Which, no wonder that Belgium cried for re reform of their judicial system <laughs> once that happened, because there was all kinds of shit that went crazy with that one that he was not caught sooner. Brudos had a close call where one of his victims, after she was dead, she was hanging from a meat hook in the garage that he used as his murder lab. He decided she's doing fine there. I'm going to take the family on vacation over the weekend for Thanksgiving. While he was gone, a car had an accident and swerved and hit his garage. The cops came, but it didn't really look like the damage was that bad and no one was home, so they just left a note. So when he got home from vacation, he had time before he called the cops to hide the body and then let the cops come. So that's a close fucking call, because if they would have bashed the garage door in and you would be able to see the body, things could have gotten cut real fucking short for his murder career, and that would have been really nice. David Parker Ray's daughter apparently called the FBI on him and said he was doing like human trafficking and stuff like that. He was investigated for a short time, but they didn't find concrete evidence. And so they stopped looking. Later on, she said that she was just mad at him and that she made it all up. Although apparently the FBI did say that some of what she told them when they did the final re like investigation of his house and stuff, that things were matching up. And they were trying to find proof in other open cases whether he was involved or not. Whether the spouses knew, obviously Rose and Fred knew what each other were doing and they were spouses. They were in it together. Detrue, the wife knew what was going on. Ray, his girlfriend Cindy was part of it. Lake, his ex-wife Cricket, she got immunity and she did not admit to taking part in any, any of the abductions or anything, but 
she did go to the cabin. She owned the cabin that the bunker was located at. And she went there first and claimed that she just grabbed things that were personal. So uh, they have her on video where Lake and her would talk about the bunker and the Miranda project. And they'd joke around about what women they'd get to put in it. And I don't think that she was naive enough to, to think that it was just a joke. I think that she knew way more than she stated she may not have been directly involved in the abductions but she she knew something was going on definitely accomplices holmes had an accomplice and then he also had a dude that would do articulated skeletons but he didn't ask questions about where the bodies came from because he knew the guy that holmes was a doctor so he thought it was on the up and up but he did have a henchman that he wound up killing and betraying detrue had one or he had several accomplices actually they were like probably three or four david parker ray his girlfriend, Cindy, his daughter, Jesse, his daughter's friend, Roy Yancey. And then who knows, he may have even had more. Another thing that I thought was interesting is persistent moms. In three of these cases, persistent moms ended up causing trouble for the serial killers. So Heidnick, I mentioned earlier that he had sent a letter to one of his victim's moms. And the mom was like, I don't believe this. this I don't think that this is real. There's something fishy going on here. So she kept bugging the cops. So combined with her bugging the cops and then the neighbors starting to bug the cops, that's why the cop went out there. It's just too bad that the cop was so easily dissuaded. And I don't know how much judgment I should put on that, but it's just unfortunate that that didn't lead to the rescue of the women that were captives. Detrue's own mom was reporting him to the police. She kept telling them there's something wrong with him. He's a criminal. He should be locked away. So his own mom knew that he was trouble and was trying to have the cops put this guy away. I know he's my son, but he he's a da- he's a danger. So that is interesting to me. And then of course all of the girls that he kidnapped their moms of course were doing everything they could to get their daughters back and then the west as i mentioned a few minutes ago one of the victims that was molested and set free the mother knew something was wrong and got it out of the daughter and tried to convince the daughter to go to the cops with it so i do think it's not surprising that moms would be persistent to protect their children and I, I do think it's nice to note that they were doing what they could to try to make things better fraudulent activity i will do an episode on this about more serial killers than just this specific group. Two of them were into fraudulent activity. Uh, H.H. Holmes, as I said, it was actually an insurance fraud that got him caught. And then Leonard Lake had a side business of killing people and stealing their identities. So that's just uh, just very, very basic things that they had in common or didn't have in common. It was interesting to go through and see what they had in common and how they treated their victims, you know, the ones that held them captive. How was it similar? How was it different? So the common theme seemed to be don't let them be clean. So we, we saw that. Obviously, if you're taking someone captive, you're not going to regard their welfare too much. And then whether if they held them ca- captive, if they tortured them. And, you know, they, they each had their own different goals and motives. As I was going through this, I was intrigued by things that popped up in my brain that I didn't think about when I was doing the various episodes, like the number of captives they had at one time. I didn't think too much about it at the time, but knowing like Heidnick had the balls to have up to four people and he was getting a fifth. Dutroux had four at the same time, even though they were in separate rooms. You know, so it's interesting to see where Leonard Lake and Charles Zing probably only had one at a time. Again, it has to, it has to do with their goals and their motivations. So it's interesting to, to compare those and see how they balance up against each other. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off. As I said before, I will go through some of these subjects 
and go more in depth with them with a wider pool from the serial killer buffet. (laughs) The worst golden corral ever. Stay tuned if you have specific things from this episode you want me to delve more into with this specific group of people. Let me know and I'll be happy to oblige if I can. Or if you have other comparative things you'd like me to do with all serial killers, just let me know. I may have it already scheduled for an episode coming up and if not, I can always add it to that list. Stay tuned. The next Murder Lab will be about families that kill together. You can find Murder Lab on iTunes, Google Play, And the RSS feed is on the website, murderlabmedia.com. Thank you for entering the lab. It was all bullshit.